message you will be challenged and encouraged through God's word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's word. we thank you tonight that you're incredible. God, we just thank you, God, for every guest that's here tonight. God, for everyone that's here tonight. And God, we pray that you would speak to us, touch us, change us. God, transform us by your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Face to face with God. Let me say that one more time. Face to face with God. I've got to say that one more time because it's a powerful thought. Face to face with God. I'm not going to keep you long tonight because I really want us to break up and discuss in small groups and I want to try and give us as much time as we have. But again, tonight I want to talk quickly about having a face-to-face encounter with God. I believe it's so important. It's a necessity for every one of us to have a face-to-face encounter with God. Because I'm going to say something right now and some of you may say that's pretty harsh. But I'm going to say something right now, and that is this. No transformation, then there's no salvation. If there hasn't been a change in your life, if there hasn't been a transformation as having an encounter with God and meeting God face to face, if there hasn't been a change and a transformation in your life, then I'm telling you right now, you're not saved. And you may say, Pastor Philip, that's a rough statement, maybe. But you know what? Whether it's rough or not, the truth is the truth, no matter how it makes us feel. You can say, well, I don't like how that feels, but you know, it doesn't change the fact that the truth is the truth. I read this today and listen to this. It says, when God speaks to you, he may not always tell you what you want to hear. Or he may not send you where you want to go. Anyone ever had that? You prayed for something? And I'm just going to give you a little bonus tonight. It's not in my notes, but no is just as much an answer as yes. We pray for a prayer, and then when God doesn't answer with yes, we say, God didn't answer my prayer. No is just as much an answer as yes is. Okay, But you've got to realize this, that sometimes in our lives, we're going to be taken places, we're going to be instructed in things that we don't want, and it doesn't feel right. But the truth is still the truth, no matter how we feel. And throughout the entirety of the Word of God and the Scriptures, as we read through them, mankind, as a result of meeting with God, left changed. We could go after account after account where someone came into the presence of God and their life was completely changed. You will never be the same after you've had an encounter with God. And the question I have to ask myself is, who wants to be the same? I don't want to be the same. I really don't want to be the same. The definition of stupidity is what? Doing the same things over and over again, but expecting a different response. Come on, if we're the same, we're stupid. Sorry. If we're the same, that's stupidity. Because God wants to change us. 
He wants to change us. The same way will produce the same results, the same way of living, the same life. We may think, oh, we've crossed over and things are better, but the same results are going to find us if we live in the same way. I wish someone would help me tonight. The same things happen if we live the same way. But when we give our lives to God, when we have an encounter with God that changes us, there's a new you that takes place. And God is in the business of creating new people, changing lives, turning around circumstances and situations. And tonight I want to quickly read the story again that we read on Sunday morning about Jacob becoming Israel. How a deceiver, a manipulator, one who wasn't the best, turned around to be a prince of God, turned around to be God's chosen, turned around to be one that God looked upon and blessed and caused blessing to flow out from his life. So if you've got your Bibles with me tonight, turn to Genesis 32, beginning in verse 22. And Genesis 32, verse 22, and it says this, And he arose that night and he took his two wives, talking of Jacob, his two female servants and his eleven sons, and he crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them, set them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Verse 25. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And, God, and Jacob said, let me go, for the, or God says, let me go for the day breaks. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So God said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And God says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you asked me about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life has been preserved. 31, just as he crossed over Peniel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his I wonder tonight, where is your pineal? I wonder if you've really had a pineal experience. I wonder if you've really had a life-changing experience with God, a face-to-face encounter. As we discovered Sunday, as a result of that, this is what happened to Jacob. He was given a new identity. His name was changed. But then as a result of coming in contact with God too, his life changed because his walk was different. He walked the rest of his life with a limp. Wherever he went, people said, what happened to you? And his answer probably was the same over and over again. I had an experience. I had an encounter with God that has changed my life. But to get to that place, God had to show him some stuff. And God has to show every one of us, and we need to see this, and we need to be reminded of this again tonight. Here's the first thing that we need to see tonight, and that is this. We cannot do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. In the flesh, we cannot do it. Every day we're in a struggle. 
And I don't think I really have to spell that out for you tonight. There's a battle that's going every day, right and wrong, trying to steal our attention, to try and make us succumb to the... There's a struggle, there's a battle. We all have struggles, we all have battles. It's the flesh versus the spirit. And Paul comes to this conclusion in the Word of God. He says this, the one we feed the most is the one that's going to be the strongest. So if we feed the flesh and the things of the flesh, then the flesh is going to be stronger. But if we feed the Spirit and the things of God, then those things are going to reign over the flesh. And that's how we overcome temptation. That's how we overcome the struggles and the fights, by feeding our lives God, by living for God, being in relationship with Him. I wonder how much time we take fighting, struggling, reasoning, and arguing instead of trusting and yielding. Have you ever thought about that? How much time you are wasting through striving, through fighting, through trying to do it on your own, where God says, all you've got to do is trust me, and all you've got to do is yield to me. I heard this illustration once of a strong swimmer, a very renowned swimmer, and, and this swimmer had all these awards and was trained in life, like being a lifesaver. And one day they were walking down in a river and they watched and they saw someone who was drowning in the river. And this man was fighting for his life. And this guy turns to his friend and says, hey, you're a great swimmer. You're a lifesaver. You need to jump in there. I mean, you're a lifeguard. You've got all the qualifications going. He watched as this man stood on the river bank and didn't move. The man was still struggling and struggling and struggling. And finally, the man in the water was totally exhausted and he took his last breath and started to go down. And all of a sudden, he jumped into the water and he grabbed a hold of him and he pulled him out and he saved his life. And this friend who watched all of this said, why did you wait till that moment? You could have lost him. He could have died. Why did you not respond straight away? And the swimmer, the saver, the one who saved the day, the hero said these words. If I would have jumped in when there was still a fight in him, he would have taken us both down. But when there was no more fight, it was then that I was able to save him. As long as we're fighting, we don't need to be saved. Or let me say this, as long as we're fighting, guess what? God's waiting on the banks. And he's waiting because he will not go against our will and our fight. And he's waiting for us to surrender and he's waiting for us to yield. Think about that. He will have killed us both if I'd have jumped in early. Listen to this scripture. It says in Proverbs 21 verse 31, it says this. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Let me say that one more time. Proverbs 21, 31 says this. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. What I'm trying to show you tonight, there's a preparation that we're required to make. We can turn around and say, well, God just needs to save us. We can't do it on our own. But I'm telling you right now, there's preparations that we need to make. A lot of people confuse the fact of praying about something that they think, I'm just going to pray about it and sit down and do nothing about it. Come on, we pray about it, we trust God for it, but our responsibility is to keep living a life of obedience and keep trusting God and keep being what God wants us to be. Not just to sit back and wait for God to move heaven and earth. Sometimes we need to move them for ourselves. Do I hear an amen? But there's a requirement. Come on. It's time to continue to walk and live in obedience to him and believe at the right time he's going to send the proper instruction. Our preparation, therefore, is to give our lives to God for service. 
Every day, our preparation is to give our lives. Well, Pastor P, I need a miracle in my life. Well, you've got to make the preparation. Well, how do I do that? Give my life as service unto God. Say, God, I want to be used by you today. I want to be pleasing to you today. And God, on the way to my miracle, let me rejoice with other people in their miracles. God, use me today. And only then can God use us when we yield our lives. God cannot take that which is not given to him. And that's the preparation that we need to make in our lives. We prepare the horse for battle, the Bible says, but the deliverance, the victory comes from God. But if we don't prepare the horse, there's going to be no victory in our lives. If we don't do our part, and you said, well, hold on a minute, you said we don't need to do anything. Listen, we can't win the battle, but guess what? We surrender to the one who can. And we give our lives over to him. Remember the five loaves and two fishes? Remember the story of the five loaves and two fishes? As long as the five loaves and two fishes were in the crowd, there was never going to be a miracle. The miracle only came when they were given to Jesus and they could be used. And when they were used, they were multiplied. Come on, our miracle won't come when it's in the crowd. Our miracle's only going to come when we give our lives to God and realize I can't do it on my own. And God, I may not be much, but you know what? You can take little and you can do much. I know a young guy in England... He's actually older than me. He's probably about 44 years old now. His name is John. Um, you all don't know him, so I can call him by name. I remember years and years ago, John was probably about 14 years of age. I was about 10, 11 at the time. And I remember John had such a call of God on his life. I heard prophecy over prophecy of people prophesying over his life that he was just going to be such a powerful man and he was going to be such an incredible man of God. But you know what John did with that word? John's response was this. Hey, that's cool. God's going to use me, but until then. I'm just going to go off and live however I want. And when God's ready to use me, he'll call me and he'll bring me back. Amazing, some 25 years plus since that day that John was called, John still has not been used by God. Why? Because he went his own way. He chose to do his own thing. And he says, God, when you're ready, come back. How many knows that God was ready that day for him to make a commitment to him for a life of service? And God could have changed. That young guy has gone through so many awful things in his life, horrific things. And I really truly believe that they were the result of him walking away from what God had in store for him. It was because of the way John chose to go. God hasn't used him, but God still can. Just like he can use every one of us if we'll just yield our lives and we'll just come to our lives. No one can repent for you. It's quite a thought, isn't it? People can say sorry. We've probably said sorry for people and excused people's behavior. Have you ever said sorry for someone and excused their behavior? And we've done that, but the reality is it doesn't change the fact of what's been done. Until that person repents, you and I can't change the direction for someone else. And that's what repentance is, a change of direction. It's giving your life to God and go in the opposite direction, a face-to-face encounter that will leave you completely changed. And tonight, as I bring this to a close, and I want us to break up in a few minutes, we see in that story that Jacob's fighting, and he wouldn't let go, and he wouldn't give in, and God struck him on the hip and knocked him to his knees. God had to smite him to make him realize that the flesh can't prevail. Now listen to me today. A lot of people think that hurt and harm and all these things, that Satan is the one that does that to your life. Well, we know that God says that he is the author of good things. We know Satan is the author of bad things. 
But listen to me, as a child of God, if those bad things come upon our lives, you and I have got to realize it's because God has allowed them to. You've got to hear that today. If I was to draw a big circle on a screen and put a dot in the middle of it, that's you in the middle. And Satan's coming and bombarding with so many attacks, trying to take our lives. But God is all around us. But you know what? There's some things that God allows to permit to come through. For what reason? The things outside the circle or the things outside of God are to destroy us and to take us down. But the things that God allows in us, what? To change us, to strengthen us, to make us grow, to help our lives. We don't like adversities and trials. We don't like to have our legs hit out from under us and be knocked down. But can I tell you, right now, perhaps God has got you exactly where you need to be because God wants to teach you something. God wants you to grow through this. What we may think is overpowering, what we may think is taking us down, there's no hope. God says, hold on, I've permitted that. And if I've permitted that, guess what? It's going to help you. It's going to strengthen you. As a child of God, come on, Satan said it himself, how can I touch Job? You've put, a, you've put a circle of protection. Come on, as children of God, there's a circle of protection that God puts around us. The bloodline. There's a bloodline that he puts all around us. So if those things come through, it's because God allows them to strengthen us and to help us. But you know what happens? God smote him to make him realize that the flesh cannot prevail. But it's only by or through God's grace and mercy Even when Jacob was knocked down, he held on and he said, God, would you bless me? God never refuses a man or woman who cries out for his grace and mercy. But then it's at that place that God requires something else from us. And you know what that is? For us to admit who we are. For us to admit what we are. It's not easy for any of us. It's not easy sometimes to see things in us that other people see. Because what we see is not always what other people see. Because we think we've got it all together, but then other people, one of the most eye-opening things I've ever had done to me in my life was when I taught in a high school and in a Bible class with a group of seniors, there was about 20 kids in the class, we went all around the room and we, everyone in the class said one good thing and one negative thing about each person. So 20 people talked about one person. I was really enjoying it until they came to me. Hello? I was, I was feeling it till all of a sudden it was my turn. And I says, hey, come on, let's go. And I could not believe, and my eyes were open that day as I listened to about six or eight of the 20 kids all say the same negative thing about me that I didn't even see. It was a challenge. I mean, if one person says it, that's one thing. But if six or eight people, that's about 40%, 45% are seeing the same thing. How many knows there's probably something to be seen? Because they hadn't met before class and conspired and said, let's take him down. Okay? But sometimes it's hard for us, isn't it? And you know why it's so hard for us? One word. Pride. 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 We could talk for weeks on pride, but let me just say this. Pride takes on many shapes and forms, but its results are all the same. Pride is a barrier that will separate you and God. It's a separating factor between you and God. Pride says, I don't need God's help. I can do it on my own. Watch out because your pride may bring you to your knees. Because the Bible says pride goes before, not promotion. Pride goes before a fall. It's the Bible's words, not mine. 
The main battle, listen to me, if you don't hear anything else today, you need to hear this tonight. The main battle that God has to fight is not the battle of sin. Because he already won that. He already won that on the cross. He defeated sin, death, hell and the grave. He defeated Satan. Can I tell you the greatest battle and struggle that God faces on a daily basis is with our pride. With our pride. Our inability to ask him for help or to even see that we need help. And that's why God had to knock Jacob down to make him open his eyes and see what he is. To see what he was. I said this Sunday, true faith requires that we admit what we are before we can receive what he is. Jacob's experience must be our experience or our encounter. One that left him a new man. He had a new identity. He had a new walk. And every step he took after that, it was not only a physical reminder to him, but even a greater spiritual reminder to him. As a result of meeting God face to face, he would never be the same again. A new identity, a new walk. But to get to that place, he had to realize I can't do it on my own and I've got to come clean with who I am and that I need the help of God. Yes, we all need an initial salvation encounter, an experience that will change us. But I believe throughout our Christian walk, we need to have encounters, face-to-face encounters with God because our Christian walk is a process. We haven't made it yet, but every day we're progressing. We're on a process We're going through it. And we cannot do it in our own strength, but only when He transforms us. You and I should be different people to who we were a month ago. And really, that's not really truth right there, because we should be different people to what we were yesterday. And Sunday, we should be different. Why? Because we should be coming more and more in the image of Christ. But you know what? When there's pride and there's arrogance and there's... That thought that I don't need help. Guess what? God can't work with that. But every one of us needs to face and face encounter with God. When we fall to our knees again and grab a hold of grace and mercy and say, God, I'm a sinner. Would you save me? Would you change my life? And how many knows that God responds to faith? God responds to that kind of prayer. And he'll touch our lives. I know. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.